Um, and what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets? It says Gideon, but that is the Greek way of saying Gideon. And so it is the same person. And we're going to be taking a look at Gideon. And you say, Brandon, but all these other people. Well, next week will be Barak and then Samson. And then we'll go ahead and talk about Jephthah and David uh, in subsequent weeks after that. So we'll be camping. And this this will be our main shoot-off point for the next couple of weeks. But um, let's not get there quite yet. Why don't you uh, turn in your Bibles or go in your app and go to Judges chapter 6. Judges is right after the book of Joshua in your Old Testament. So, to give you a little background, the Israelites are in a tough spot right now. Um, If you have uh, Judges chapter 6 open, look at verse 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian seven years. And so, if you know about the book of Judges, and if you don't, I'll explain it to you shortly. Or right now, I'll give you a brief explanation. The book of Judges, the children of Israel are in the promised land. But instead of just serving God and doing what they're supposed to, they keep falling into... Um, false gods. They keep serving the gods of other nations that are in the area. They're they're not destroying them. They're not doing what God has asked for them. And so, during the time of Judges, instead of having the priests uh, be the ones that are ruling the nation and keeping them towards God, God has to bring judges to judge the nation and then save them from whatever situation they're in. And unfortunately, it's this cycle. They cry out for help. The judge comes saves them, they serve for a little bit, the judge dies, they go back to bad, they start cry out for help, and it's just this whole cycle throughout the whole book of Judges. And so Gideon is one such uh, judge, and you can see here, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so Gideon was in the midst of a terrible time. We see in Judges 6 that the Midianites had prevailed against the children of Israel for seven years. So they've been going to war and getting beat up and um, all their crops are getting burned and they're leaving them with nothing. And so look at uh, Judges 6, uh, starting in verse 6. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And so that's where we're going to pick up. Let's read through 10. Verse 7 says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites... That the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drove them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And so, you see in verse 6, that the children of Israel were impoverished. They were driven to a place of not having food, not being able to take care of their families. And so they do the one thing that, unfortunately, 
drives us to God a lot of times is when we get into these places where we can't do it ourselves. We can't finish. We can't fix it enough to get by. And so we cry out to God, and that's what the children of Israel did because they knew He had saved them over and over again. But He sent them a message through a prophet, and it said, Hey, I've saved you from this. I've done this for you. You got through this because of me. I told you not to worry about those false idols, but you didn't listen. You have not obeyed my voice. End of verse 10. But I want to point out there is hope and hopelessness. Whenever we think something is hopeless, in other words, there's no chance of anything fixing this or getting through this, we still have hope. When we have tough times, we can turn back or turn to or turn back to God. We see that they couldn't solve the problem themselves. And so the question I have to ask everybody, is there a situation right now in your life that you can't solve or fix? If there is, you have to turn to Jesus. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so it doesn't say only when, you know, uh, you're sick or only when you're this. It says anytime you have a time of need, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come to Jesus and say, hey, I might have screwed up. Forgive me. Help me through X, Y, or Z. Or, hey, I don't know why I'm going through X, Y, and Z. Please give me the strength, the grace, the knowledge, the wisdom to understand how to move forward. So then the question that I had to ask myself is, well, how do we get to Jesus? How do we get to the throne if he says we can come to it? Well, we have to pray. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you don't have peace in your life, you need to pray. Because it says right there that if we're praying and we're making our requests known to God, then we're going to have peace. We're going to have peace that passes all understanding. People aren't even going to understand how I can have so much peace in this time. People are going to look at you and they're going to look at me or they're going to look at Brian. They're going to say, how are you so calm? How are you so joyful? Like you're going through this whole situation and you're just okay with it. Well, I'm okay with it because I'm secure in Jesus. If you can't say that I have peace in my life, then there's a discourse between you and Jesus. There's something that has prevented you from feeling this peace that passes all understanding. But I do want to note that we have to be prepared for God's answer to be, you made the choice and you're going to have to pay the price. But we still have hope because he will give us new grace daily. Lamentations 3, uh, 18 through 24. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read you 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. 23 says, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
If you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ and He's your Lord and Savior, then you can cry out this prayer. You can cry out Hebrews 4.16. You can cry out Philippians 4, John 14.1, Psalm 23. All the scripture, you can cry it back out in prayer and say, Jesus, you promised this peace. I have anxiety. I have panic. I'm freaking out. I need you to help calm my soul so I can focus on what it is you need me to do going forward. So, there is hope in hopelessness. But also, we've been chosen. Go back to Judges 6, starting in verse 11. We're going to see that Gideon was chosen. Remember, they just got the message that said, you have not obeyed my voice. But God's still going to bless them anyways and bring them another judge to help them out of their situation. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash, the Abezerite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So he was doing it behind a building. He was doing this to make some some wheat, some, some dough to make bread, to make cakes so he could feed his family away from everybody else because he knew if they saw him having wheat, they would come down and destroy everything. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, this is verse 12, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite Midianites as one man. God came to Gideon, but Gideon, like so many of the Israelites, had forgotten that it was Israel that walked away from God. God doesn't walk away. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you have been adopted into his family. Romans 8, 15, and 17 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Okay, back to that, we need to have peace. Okay, well you shouldn't be afraid because Jesus has given you the opportunity to be adopted. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Fear is a crazy thing. I have PTSD from when I was in the military. I went into Iraq for 15 months and some bad things happened. Messed me up. There was a month period or two month period I couldn't leave the house. Because I thought we were going to get attacked. I lived in downtown Leavenworth, Kansas. Okay, If you've ever been to Leavenworth, Kansas, there's nothing over there. 
right? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Just houses and then prisons, and that's it. That's all there is in Level County. But I couldn't, I couldn't leave the house. And it took me a long time, years in fact, to get to a place where I could, I could look at that fear that still plagues, it still is an issue, it still is a problem, and say, you know what? You don't own me. Amen. You know what? You're no, you don't control me. Because Jesus has given me the key to the chains that you keep trying to lock me up to. You know that song, Break the Chains? Well, a lot of times I see people, they're like, oh, I need Jesus to break my chains. But you're holding the key. He's already given you the victory. He's already handed you the key to the padlock that's right there in front of you. We've got to do the unlocking. There's a step that we have to do. It's called faith. It's taking that step in and saying, okay, Jesus, I'm, I get to, you get to a place when you live in fear long enough that living without the fear is scary. And so then it's fear on fear and it's anxiety on anxiety and it's worry on worry. But then you can say, you know what, Jesus? Living with you, even if I have some fear still, is much better than living the way I am right now. And so we make that choice to unlock that padlock and we let those chains fall. And sometimes there's one that's dragging on your foot and you can hear it following you. And the devil keeps trying to throw it back on you. And you just keep saying, I got the key. You can try to lock me up all day long. I still got a key. And so we got to get that mindset that we've been chosen, that we have been adopted into the family. But only if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're not sure of that, then you need to come and talk to me. Come and talk to, I'm going to put Brian on the spot. Come and talk to Brian. Or email Mitch and Michelle. And let's get that right. So we're going to go into fear is not greater than God. And I've been hitting that a little bit here. But it's so important. i got to say it out loud. Fear is never going to be greater than God. So fast forward in Judges 6. We're going to skip over a little spot here. And if you want to read it for yourself, feel free to do that later. But we're going to go to 25. And it says, And it came to pass the same night that, that the Lord said unto him, him being Gideon, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city. He could not do it by day. They did it by night. Okay. Fear is not greater than God. God called Gideon in action. Gideon did not delay. He obeyed. Is there something that God has asked you or me to do, leave, or let go that you are holding on to? Maybe it's the fear. Maybe it's the addiction. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a place. He could be saying, no, I need you to move here. Well, I've lived here my whole life, God. I don't want to go do that. I don't want to go to another country. I don't want to do this. I don't, you don't have to be that extreme. I don't want to move across the street. No, I, there's somebody over there that needs to hear my message, and you're the vessel that I want to use. It's not that he needs you. Get that out of your mind. God does not need Brandon Wilbur. God has said, I give you an opportunity. If you in faith take that step, I'll give you the strength. Amen. Same thing with being bold on the gospel message. 
I give you an opportunity, but if you're too afraid, I can try to find someone else. But nobody's guaranteed the message more than once. Take time to pray with someone today. Get a stake in the ground so you can remember that it was today, November, what is it, 20, 22nd, 22nd <laughs> is the day of change for you. Don't let things control you. This world should have no hold on you if you've accepted Jesus. Amen. All right? Even though Gideon was afraid, he obeyed anyway. Which takes us to our first rule. Relationship rule number one. Don't let the fear of how people will react keep you from following God. Because if those people are going to react negatively and try to pull you away from God, you probably don't need them in your life anyways. And I've lost friendships because I've decided to follow God. Um... It's not easy. And you can only pray for them and pray that someday you have an opportunity to share what God has done in your life since they decided to walk away. <clears throat> Don't let fear keep you from following God. Next point. Following God will lead others to Him, to God. Uh Judges 6, starting in verse 28, we see the aftermath. So the story, Gideon and 10 of his, of his uh, servants went in and cut down a grove, a, a forest, a, a special place of trees for this uh, false god, broke the altar down that they had for this false god, built an altar to God, the one and true living God, the God of Israel, and then sacrificed this special bull that was being saved for Baal and gave it to the Lord and basically cleaned the area and made it uh, a sanctuary to go unto God. So let's take a look at 28 through 32. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. So imagine this. Every day you get up, 6 in the morning, you walk down to, to whoever's plot of land it is, and you go up to this and there's this beautiful forest or this little plot of land that's set aside for your God, and you worship at this altar, and one day you wake up and you come out, the sun's coming up, and you look over, all oh, the trees are gone. Mm -hmm. The altar's smashed to the ground, and in its place is another altar, and then this special cow that you were saving is, is, is dead, burnt up on the altar over there. Like your, like your whole life, you've been grown up, you've been doing this for the last X number of years, and you're like, what, what is going on? And that's what they said um, in 29. And they said one to another, who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. So they walked around, and they said, hey, we saw Gideon walking around at night with torches. So maybe he did it. So then in 30, the men of the city said unto Joash, so they go to his house, bring out thy son that he may die because he hath cast down the altar of Baal and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. Look at what Joash says, 31. 
And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Wow. So let's take a minute and look back at the details of the situation. Where was the grove and the altar? We'll look, at back, look back at verse 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, him being Gideon, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath. So the altar and the grove and the bull belonged to his dad. So he had the land, he had the riches, he had the amount of money to be able to have all of this on his property. And God said, hey Gideon, you know that, um, that altar and that little grove you got over there that your dad has? Yeah, I want you to go destroy it. I want you to go against everybody in the city and your dad... And I want you to destroy it in my name, build up an altar to me, and make a sacrifice for me. Wow. But, but what did Gideon's obedience do? It got Gideon's dad to say no. Gideon doesn't deserve to die if this so-called God is a true God. Let him fight for himself. But guess what? Nothing's going to happen. Because there's only one true living God, and that's the God of Israel. The mission he got from God was to destroy the false god's religious place that belonged to Gideon's family. And everyone in town had to use it. Gideon was not alone in this, though. Remember, look at verse 12 of Judges chapter 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. So even though Gideon was afraid, he did obey. He went with ten other people because cutting down trees is hard. He can't do it by himself. But he knew he wasn't alone. Right? And what happened? His obedience not only got those ten people to see the truth, it got his dad to see the truth, and it put those men of the city in their place and said, hey, if nothing happens... Why are you following this this thing? Why are we doing this? There is a there is proof of all the miracles that the God of Israel has done over the last hundred years or less, less than that. And we're gonna go and follow something that has no proof of anything? That's never done anything for us? To appease the people that are killing us? That's not helping anybody. So here's two reactions that we see from this. People wanted to kill Gideon. His dad's reaction was that he challenged the belief of the little G-God. Which brings us to our next relationship rule. Rule number two. Your choice to follow God is a beacon to others and can lead them to or back to Jesus. Remember that. Once you have stepped up and said... I'm not going to hide my candle under this basket anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus. That's going to bring people. It's going to bring people that want to spiritually want to kill you. Maybe physically. Especially nowadays. But it's also going to bring people that are hurting. That are sad. 
that need hope. And you're going to say, I have more hope than I know what to do with. Let me give you some. Right? That's what we can say. I have more grace than I know what to do with. Here, take some, please. Let me give you some of this love that's like oozing out of my heart. I can't hold it in anymore. Our choices to follow God can lead others to Him. Okay. This is one that was major for me. One victory does not a war win. We're going to jump forward to Judges chapter 8. If you want to know what happens to the Midianites, read Judges chapter 7. We just don't have time to cover all that. But um, to, to wrap it up shortly, God says, hey, Gideon makes the call. They get like about 100,000 people to come try to fight. God tells Gideon, hey, um, you got too many people. Too many people to fight. I want to save you with less. Oh, okay. So he says, go tell the people if they're afraid they can go home. All right, so he tells the people, and 90,000 people leave. He's left with 10,000. He's like, okay, God, we're good. We got 10,000. He's like, no, no, no. Um, still got too many. Um, I'm really going to pull off a, a big thing here. So bring everybody down to the river, and whoever drinks this way, send them home. Whoever drinks this way, send them, keep them. And so they end up with 300 plus Gideon. 301 taking on what's described as the camels alone like the sand of this, this huge horde against the Israelites. But God does miracles, and they win. All right, so let's look at the end of the story for Gideon. And it doesn't end great, but that's okay, because we can learn from it. Uh, look at verse 23 of chapter 8. And Gideon said unto them, I will, okay, Luke 22. Then the men of Israel said, so after the battle's over, they come to Gideon and say, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the land of Midian, from the hand of the Midians. Be our king. We'll, we'll let it be your lineage. You, you, your son can be king after you. Gideon says in 23, And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you, that you would give me every man the earrings of his prey. For they, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So everyone that died, they took all the gold off of them. And they took the gold, the necklaces from the camels. And, you know, because the Midianites, they had all the money now because they were taking everything from the Israelites. And so they took all that back. In 25, and they answered, we will willingly give them. And they spread a garment and did cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. And the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold beside ornaments and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian and beside the chains that were about the camel's necks. <clears throat> and Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in his city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon into his house. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. Okay. So, one victory does not a war win is super important. Gideon, through the power of God, won the battle with the Midianites. Undisputed. 
Chapter 7 shows us that he won. They chased him. They killed him. They got him to run completely out of the country. But he rested in that one victory and forgot to keep up the fight against false religion. His eyes left God and fell on earthly things. He took the gold, no, excuse me, the gold and made an ephod, which in his mind started out as a good thing. And you say, well, Brandon, what's an ephod? I've never heard of that. Well, that's because it's, it's in the previous part of the Old Testament. It was something that the priests would wear, kind of a girdle. It started at your neck and it came down and it tied their, their clothes on them. Um, and they had one that was just plain cloth for all the priests. And then the high priest had one made with gold and jewels and it was all ornamented. And so in, it, it, that had been lost. And, and so in, I think in Gideon's mind, he's like, I'm going to make God a gold one. I'm going to take this thousand pounds of, or this thousand shekels of gold and I'm going to make God this beautiful ephod so the priests can start doing their thing again. But then what did he do with it? He put it on display in his town. And what happened when you put something on display? It becomes an idol. And that's why it says in uh, 27, And all Israel went thither a whoring after it. You can, you can do a, a, a Bible study or a word study, and you can see every time Israel goes a whoring after something, it's to go after idols, it's to go serve other gods. And so instead of them following what God wants them to do, they started going to look at this ephod. Oh, this is the ephod that Gideon did. And he saved this for the Midianites. Oh, ephod. Oh, you did. It's a piece of gold. All right. It's cool looking clothing. If it's not being used to further the kingdom of God, then it's just a piece of clothing. Right. It doesn't. It's not, it has no power on its own. But they forgot. I have had to learn the hard lesson of not resting in a past victory. My wife is wonderful um, in that she tells me the truth when I don't want to hear it. And um, I'll be, I, there's times where she's like, hey, have you, I don't, have you read your Bible? Have you, have you studied your Bible recently? Yeah, I did. Oh, what would you read? Well, it was, it was last week. She said, well, that, that wasn't this week then, was it? No, it was last week. Okay, so why are you saying that's okay with yourself? Why are you okay with that? Well, I did it. I did it. But you haven't done it recently. And doesn't the Bible say we need to get into it daily? Well, yeah, technically it does, darling. But, you know, last week was okay. I learned a lot. It was good for a few days. No, no, that's just an excuse. Every day is a new day. A day to live for Christ or... A day to live for you. Every day we have to make that choice. Each day is going to bring a new battle for supremacy. And when I say supremacy, I say who's reigning supreme in your life? Is it you? Or is it God? Is Jesus sitting on your throne? Or are you? That's the question we have to ask ourselves when we get up. We're halfway through the day. we got to check ourselves. Hey, you know what? I, got, I climbed up off that throne. I kicked Jesus off. When that happened at work, because I got angry and I didn't want to deal with having to be, you know, peaceful and graceful and long-suffering. So I got angry and I took God off the throne. Okay, well, get it right and change that. 
Apologize to that person. Do what you got to do to keep God on the throne throughout your whole day. So that brings us to relationship rule number three. You need to keep Jesus first in your life or people can pull you away from following him. That goes back to the other relationship rule. All of them, really. Don't let fear keep, or how people are going to react, keep you from following God. Your choice to follow God is a beacon for others, but then you also have to be guarding your own self and say, I need to keep Jesus first. I can be doing amazing things, even through the church, right? I can be involved in this ministry. I can counsel this person. I can disciple this person. I can, I can go serve the homeless here. I can go do all this. But if it's not Jesus in my heart as king, then I'm wasting my time. And so we have to make that choice. We have to say, hey, Jesus is the reason, not just for the season, but for my life. I can honestly stand right here in front of you and tell everyone here, I'm alive because of Jesus. And that's not just because, oh, he saved me. No, literally, they were throwing mortars at us in Iraq. And there's only reason why I knew which direction to run is because Jesus told me straight up. I heard a voice and he said, no, run that way, dummy. He didn't say dummy, but that's how I look at it. And so I ran the right way. God preserved my life because he had a plan. Are we accepting the plan that he has for us? Remember, you've been chosen. Brian's been chosen. Jisung's been chosen. We've been chosen. We have a reason that God has put us in this church. If we're not about figuring out what that is and then doing it, what are we doing with our lives? Is there a reason for me to be breathing other than to share the gospel? Other than to love people? Other than to say, hey, you don't have to hate. It's a choice. I don't have to agree with you, but I don't have to hate you. Mark 6, 31-34 says, Therefore take no thought, and this is Jesus speaking, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Everybody needs that. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is the evil thereof. we got to stop trying to take a week on at a time. A month on at a time. Oh my gosh. Work's going to be so hard. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Okay. That's great. What are you doing right now? What's going on in your life right now? What does Jesus need you to do right now? Well, I'm too anxious to think about it. Okay. Then Pray. Bring those requests to God. Come boldly to His throne. And stop having having that anxiety right now and say, Okay, God, oh man, I can breathe now. What is it you need me to do? Oh, your neighbor. See, they just lost their uncle. And so I just need you to go and let them cry on you. Or I just need you to go and leave them a message, invite them to church for Christmas. Or your aunt who, who just got diagnosed or is sick. Or whatever, I need you to call them. Well, I haven't talked to her in 20 years, so I hate her. Okay, well, you need to put that aside because if you don't call her, she's not going to hear about Jesus. And you don't know if she's going to die next week or tomorrow. 
We don't know if we're going to walk out there and get hit by a bus, get hit by a car, God forbid, something else. We don't know, especially in this time of fear with COVID and everything else. We don't know what's going to happen. But I know, who knows, and I know that I'm secure, that he knows, and it doesn't matter what I know because he knows. And so if we're able to get that in our mindset and we can stop forgetting that God has blessed us all the way up to here and continues to bless us, if we can stop taking our eyes off of him and get it back on the world and say, you know what, honestly, that world has nothing for me. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be in the gutter right now. I was an alcoholic before I joined the army, which doesn't make sense because usually people get, I'm an alcoholic in the military, but God took me out of a drunken stupor and said, look, dude, you're going to be dead in a ditch in a month if you don't join the military. So I called in to Zick to work. I went and I joined the army. My parents wouldn't talk to me for three weeks. They disowned me. They didn't understand. I didn't understand. But I just knew that God told me, if I don't go, I'm a dead man. So I'd rather die in service to him than die in a gutter alone. And that's got to be that mentality. We're all going to have to die one day. It doesn't matter. If it's tomorrow or next week or 10 years from now, if our lives are just for us, we've wasted it. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm almost 40. I've lost some of my life because I gave up to the world. But God says, hey, you can redeem that by doing something right now. So let's do that. Let's take this time. Like they were saying, let's be bold. We don't want to fight the weak. We want to take it one day, one hour, one minute at a time. Remember, if Jesus is in your heart, then you've been adopted into the family. You have a place to go for help. You have a place to go for hope. Conclusion. Our relationship with God will influence our relationships with others. But if we don't hold our focus on Jesus, those other relationships can and will pull us away. Guard yourself by getting in the Word daily, praying daily, Staying connected to whole heart to the church. If you're not on the WhatsApp group and you have a smartphone or a tablet, get on the WhatsApp group. There's a ladies group and there's a men's group. You can ask for prayer. You can ask for someone to help you with the, if you have a question about the Bible. There's always going to be somebody available to help you or to talk to you or pray with you. You can make phone calls through WhatsApp if you have Wi-Fi. And so it's a good connection. <clears throat> and get connected to the Bible study whether it's Zoom or in person. Because that's how we can help each other. Keep each other accountable. Learn the word together, right? Not everybody has grown up in a King James church and been reading this Bible since they were six, right? That's me. But God has given me that ability so that I can share it with other people, right? Amen. You might not have the gift to be up here but God has given you the gift to talk to people that I will never reach, right? Whenever I see somebody, and Lord, forgive me if this is wrong. Whenever I see somebody in another setting try to talk to a vet to help them, air quotes, they have a hard time. 
because there's nothing that they can relate to. I can talk to them in a way that nobody else can unless they've been in the similar situations. It's the same thing with your life, with your life. You have seen things that I have never seen. You have ways to, to explain this to other people in a way that I'll never be able to understand. And that's why God calls us all. Because we all have the ability to be there to share what He has, what He's given us. It's put this way a lot, and, and I, it always hurts my heart whenever I hear it. How much do we hate people that we won't tell them about Jesus? How much do I want my friend to die and go to hell that I'm not willing to lose them as a friend and say, look, Jesus loves you. I know you're going through it right now. Can we just pray about it? Let me tell you what he has done. No, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk to you again. Well, that's between him and God. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. And it hurts. But guess what? We get grace for that hurt. We get peace from that hurt. And we get comfort for that hurt. And I'd rather be hurt serving God than trying to survive the hurts by myself. Okay, so I've beaten the horse. He's, he's gone. It's okay. Um, we're a couple minutes early.